Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Can Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Do you know the way? <laughs> to, to Santa... Oh, no. To Santa oh, Fe? No. To Santa Fe? <laughs> what, what is that? Is that from something? Uh, it is my it, voodoo. It's, it's, of the devil. It's, a, it's, a, it's a big meme going on right now. Oh, I must have missed it somehow. Also joining us, your co-host Hunter. You know, I got to thinking today, Brian. I really did. And this is a bad thing. But, you know, me thinking that is. I got to thinking today, what goes like hand in hand with like almost all space games? Uh, beer. Uh, beer, 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 beer is one. Yes, I'll agree to that. But seventies um, and or eighties music. And oh, yeah. Oh, I, 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 I totally agree with the seventies part and the eighties part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got to thinking because because uh, Jim posted his uh, his Freddie Mercury like uh, Eve avatar that he made. It's just uncanny. So I was thinking, like, man. Uh, how does that stuff just seem to go hand in hand with space games? It's really weird. Yeah, when I'm uh, I want my Eve ship to look like the mothership on the, on the <laughs> album cover, Boston. Um, I'll tell you when I a lot of times when I'm playing Eve or Jumpgate or something, I'll be listening to like disco or Al Green or something like that. So you're absolutely correct, uh, folks. Um, we're not sure where Spaz is. He's probably resting. He hasn't had a lot of sleep lately. Um, but joining us from Houston, Texas, third time on the show, um, the developer of Alliance of the Sacred Sons, formerly Imperia. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Steve Hawkins, welcome. Welcome back, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Do I get a prize for the, the third visit? We <sighs> will show you the way. <laughs> You know, it's funny you guys were talking about what goes uh, with uh, strategy games or the space games. Uh, I used to play the hell out of Starfleet Battles uh, back in high school and college. And uh, I had some friends that were similarly inclined. So we would uh, fire up the old uh, Star Trek uh, scores from uh, Wrath of Khan. And we just play that thing on a loop while we were playing Starfleet Battles. I mean, I, I think I know every note to swing uh, on theme and... This was so much fun back then, back before the internet and everything. You are in good company, sir. Yeah, you're in the the right place. You're in the right place. Uh, But we're happy to have you back. So, um, Steve, for folks who might not have heard the previous two shows, let's let's start at the beginning. When, what, um, what, what uh, made you want to start working on this game? When did you start working on it and how long have you been working on it? Uh, well, it's been several years now. Uh, I think it started in 20, late 2015. Um, I always had an idea for a game where, you know, the best of maybe Crusader Kings and, and, uh, Master of Orion, you know, I, I've always loved strategy games. I've loved 4X games and, and just always felt there was something missing. You know, it seemed like every, every game out there, even the classics were kind of this all, encompassing emperor, you know, God figure, gray eminence, whatever. And you had control over everything. It didn't make sense in, in gameplay terms. It's like, you know, what if you had to, you know, actually deal with viceroys and governors and really um, kind of, you know, deal with the, the problems of your rule. And what if you were an actual character and, and, and 
had to deal with, uh, you know, actually moving to planets and, and you could be caught up in riots and events there. And, and, you know, I know, I remember when Master of Orion 3 came out, I was really excited because I know you and I talked about this a little bit on the last show, but the original design document really, really seemed like it was going to be a home run for that, that kind of gameplay, focus points and, and the way that the Viceroys were supposed to work. You know, obviously it didn't work out that way, and, and, and that wasn't the game we got, but that that really kind of left a mark on me and said, you know, there's there's a market for a game like this. So, um, of course, one little problem, I didn't know how to program back then, so... Uh, um, I spent the next several years just kind of self-teaching myself. I created a few small games just to eventually I started tinkering around with a game called Imperia. It was kind of a um, sort of a learning game slash uh, uh, project slash hobby slash whatever. Basically the precursor to Alliance of the Sacred Sons and it was XNA game on a visual basic if you can believe it. And I worked on that for about a year and a half, and uh, I kind of put it out there for some people to see, and it got a very positive reception. And people were like, you should charge for this. This is amazing. When can I buy this? You know, take my money and run. I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm not nearly uh, polished enough for that. I mean, this is just a game that I was creating for my own interest. Just kind of put it out there to get some feedback and see what people thought. So there was a really positive reception. Um, so about, let's say, just about two years ago, a little under two years ago, uh, I made the decision to uh, basically scrap the XNA version, uh, mainly because it was no longer supported. It won't even run on Windows 10 without a Go to Unity as a modern engine. Sharp as the uh, development language, and I just wanted to make it more modern. And, and at that time, I still uh, didn't know if I was going to make it commercial, um, but I knew it was something that I wanted to continue developing in my spare time. So um, got a few people on board, uh, got an artist on board that kind of helped uh, with the initial vision and, and kind of helped flesh out the, the, the world and then, you know, the universe of Imperia. And um, eventually we added Oliver, uh, who you had on your show last time. And he kind of helped also flesh out some of the game design lore. So, um, you know, reached a point maybe about a year ago where I said, you know what? Um, let's do it. Let's 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 bring this game. Let's let's make it uh, public. Let's create an actual studio. Let, let's make it a business. Um, and uh, so at that point, because it was going to be public, we had to change a few things. Uh, there's a game out there called Imperia Online. Um, they were less than thrilled with us being out there. We asked permission to use it. Yeah. They said most emphatically no. So rather than waste money, uh, get lawyers to agree, we just changed, found a different. So. Um, Really beyond that, we haven't had too many issues uh, from a standpoint, the game standpoint, because the gameplay is pretty unique. It really does kind of uh, hit a lot of genres. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at uh, right now. We we just released the first uh, public alpha. Um, I'm very, um, if, if you know me pretty well, you know, I, I'm not a fan of a lot of uh, Kickstarter projects and GoFundMes and things like that. I, I really am a believer that people should get what they pay for. And I see these models out there where people are charging 40 and 50 bucks to get in early. Well, that's great. But two problems with that. A, nobody knows me. And, you know, who's going to pay 40 or $50 from a developer they never heard of? But B, um, I just don't believe in that model. I, I believe that, look, 
if you want to help us on the ground floor, you know, we don't need additional funding. We're kind of self-funded as we go along. Um, you know, part-time thing for me. Um, you know, that's great. We, we want you to help out. We want you to be part of the game. We want you to be a part of developing the game and giving feedback. But then later, that's fine too. But we want to reward the people that come in early. Um, so that's where we came up with the seven ninety nine US price point. You know, it's a very reasonable price, we feel like. I mean, obviously, there's maybe 30 40% of the game in, but you're coming in at the very beginning. And, uh, you know, as we add new versions, obviously, those versions pushed out and, and really be a part of it. So that's kind of where we're at on that. Um, you know, that's the design. The, the idea is to push out a new version uh, about every three to four months. You know, point seven should be coming out this summer. Uh, you know, early this summer, and then point eight will be coming out towards the fall, and each one will have a major new feature set, um, all the way up to one point and, and our plan is to put point nine on early access on Steam. Don't want to do it before that. Uh, I've seen a lot of good games on Steam kind of uh, get crushed uh, by people who don't really read the early access tag and just assume that's the way it is. Uh, I think Alliance of the Sacred Sons has a lot of potential. I heard a lot of people kind of agree and they're just really excited about the direction of it. So I don't want to kind of give it, I, I don't want to put it out there for the world to see before it's really ready. Um, you know, you know, obviously being on podcasts, things like that is fine because they know it's a project and it's early access. So um, that's kind of where we're at. Um, always been a passion of mine to create a game like this. And I just believe that's what's been missing with uh, 4X games. You know, you, there's no, you as emperor have no skin in the game. And now you do. If you piss off your people, they can kill you. If you piss off your, you know, your your viceroys, they can plot to kill you. So there's a lot of Crusader Kings in that, uh, but there's also a lot of 4X in that. There really is a lot of traditional, boring, expanding, combat things like that. It's just not done in the more traditional sense. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how it came to be. And it's kind of interesting because I've noticed in a lot of 4X games, it's the very beginning when you have the most options you have the most to do you're exploring you're expanding you know you're, you're finding new places to set a foothold and as the game goes longer you have more less let fewer options to expand and it turns into like a slugfest and you're just fighting everyone to kind of near it's kind of a funnel you're going down um but with this game it's kind of the reverse in the beginning you can't do a lot because you're a new emperor you only have a certain amount of action points per turn that allow you to do things and to do anything really significant, you really don't have the backing or the funding yet, which is really interesting. No. And and that's a big part of the design is that, you know, the idea is you're starting as an 18 year old emperor. This is your first, you know, first day, so to speak. Right. So you're not going to have all the ins and outs of the bureaucratic system. And so, and you start out with a relatively small empire. I mean, the idea you do want to expand the celestial empire, but yeah, you know, right now I'm looking at the stream. You have two AP. That's going to be enough to get you, you know, conversations with two characters, yeah, or doing one project. Yeah. Um, and 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 that is a significant design factor. Now, you there there's some variability in that, but to me, every month that goes by since you can't keep the action points, every month that you don't do something, and you may not know this, Brian. Uh, but you also have power decay. So if you don't do anything in a given month, your power will slowly decline. You know, it's kind of the out of oh, sight, geez. out of mind, or what have you done for me late, lately effect. Um, so you can't just sit there and click, keep, keep hitting next turn 
um, because you'll be seen as a weak emperor. And eventually, if you do that, uh, people are going to to notice that you're basically inactive or very or you know lightly active and move against you. And that is another problem, and especially like some parts of 4X games, like you're waiting for something to finish or you're waiting for something to get somewhere. So you're like, turn, 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 you know. But here, yeah, you can't do that. I noticed that with one of my turns when um, I, I only used one of my action points and still had one left. My power degraded significantly in the next turn. You know, because I apparently wasn't as effective as I could have been if I had used both of my points. But yeah, with yeah. two action with two action points, you can't do much. You can maybe talk to someone or do something for someone. Like, oh, I can say a nice speech about you, or I can give you some money. Uh, yeah, because folks, this game is is different. Like, you're not moving sh- like a lot of four X's. You're moving ships around. Uh, and whatnot, and you can do that to an extent with this when you'd say, "I want to colonize this planet or whatever, but uh a lot of times you're like, "I need to make this person like me, or I need to tell this person to improve the infrastructure of their planet, you know, and so you're doing a lot of things indirectly, which I got to admit when I was playing it, it takes a little bit to wrap your brain around that because you're so used to having like direct control over everything, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what throws people off when they first play is they, um, you know, first of all, of course you have, you have actions, which your people do not have to, to follow, which throws people off. Uh, you know, I had a friend of mine that was test playing it uh, a week or two ago and he wanted to, I forgot, I think he wanted to change economic output of the planet. And Basically, the the guy said, well, "You know, I don't. I'm not going to do it." He's like, what? "What? What? They can say no." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "What do I do?" I said, "Well, I don't know. You can give him money, and you can move him. <laughs> uh, you know, there are several things that you can do. Uh, but of course, if you remove him, the people on the planet that like him might be unrest." He's like, "It's a real mind bleep." Yep, yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, and, so, and I, but, I, I, sorry. It, it, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was saying that's it's really fascinating because, excuse me, especially in the beginning, you're really limited in what you can do and how many things you can do. Like if you have, if you, like I had a couple of um, a couple of advisors who really hated me, like really hated me. Like I love the flavor text where like you contact one of these people that hate you. They're like, "What do you want?" You know? It's great. It's really great. And that's a big part. You know, we plan to have something like 5,000 lines of uh, dialogue. That's going to be a huge part of the final product. Um, the conversation engine is actually pretty advanced, and it's going to be more advanced, and it's going to differentiate based on culture uh, and race. So um, that's we're going to continue. We have the engine in place. It's just a matter of adding to it. Um, but that's going to be a big part of the game. We want you to have a real connection with the characters. We want you to hate the characters. You know, that's that's something we got from the first Imperia. There's people that really enjoyed playing it. You know, there'd be this one viceroy or this one governor that they just hated. And they just wanted to kill or, you know, but they couldn't because they were too powerful or they had powerful friends. Um, and that's the relationships we want. We want you to feel frustration towards certain characters. Like, how do I get them? Because, you know, you're not all powerful. You can't just send, I mean, they're, they're, the next version is going to have intel and you'll have what's called inquisitor squads that you can send. Um, but you can't just off people without uh, significant um, repercussions. 
uh, fear level and uh, the fear love. Uh, so if you have those feelings as a player towards, you know, the, these characters or in reverse, like, wow, I really love this guy. He's saved my bacon. He's a great ally. He does what I tell him to, um, you know, I'm going to move him up the chain. I'm going to make him a system governor and then a province governor and I watch his power grow. I mean, that's a great feeling. And that's what we're trying to get to at the heart of Alliance of the Sacred Sun. Wants you to be connected to the characters and we want it to matter when they die. Uh, and you're like, man, I spent so much time building this guy up. And then he just like dies from a random bullet. That sucks. Um, so, and, and we're well on our way to that point. So um, that's a very exciting part of the, the game design. One thing I really like about the design is, uh, folks, when you uh, start the game, you choose um, you choose a house to be a part of it. Am I remembering that correctly? Because you, you, yeah. you're, you're, well, you, you choose a culture. Culture, yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Each culture has uh, different um, strengths, and they have houses that are, have affinity to them. So if you choose, say, a technic culture, there are certain houses that uh, have the technic culture, um, and they will be friendly to you at the beginning. Um, so want your science to be strong, um, you have strong academies, you know, build that way. The problem is you'll have houses that basically hate science and they are going to be very unfriendly to you. So you have to make a choice at the beginning. You can't have all your houses friendly with you. You have to decide, you know, how am I going to run my empire? And is it going to be a merchant empire? You know, is it going to be a science empire? Is it going to be focused more on, on production, industry, wealth, etc.? Um, and you kind of have to build it that way, knowing that not all ideologies will work together. Right. And uh, I really liked all the, um, cause I was saying that you feel connected to your character and whatnot, the, the, the text and the backgrounds for each of these cultures and houses are really well done. And, and then that really gets you into the game. I think. You just said, I will not be seen taking your blood money. See, some of the characters won't even take bribes. Like, come on, take my money. Yeah, I know. I love that. So, yeah, and, and and you can see one of the – we're working on the manual right now, and I haven't written the character uh, part of it yet, um, but there's a lot to characters. I mean, they have different uh, attributes. So if you see someone with a high honor rating, there's a pretty good chance they're not going to take your money. Um, you know, that means they're loyal to their house. They have honor the way they do things. So those nine characteristics really uh, form a character's personality. And then, of course, you have the traits. Uh, there's 40 different traits that a character can have. Positive, some are negative, some are neutral. Uh, but they'll also impact how you uh, deal with characters. So, for instance, you might have a character if you're trying to, and I'll just give you an example. You know, you're going to run out of energy fairly soon. Energy is the hardest thing to get in the game right now. So you're going to probably want to have good relations with uh, a house called Halcyon Musharef. They have the best um, uh, high-tech populations. Well, you can, um, you know, you, you can do all sorts of things to get the cops to create more energy. Um, but, you still have to have good relationships with your characters. Characters don't have to do what you say. So you have to kind of find different ways to create more energy. I mean, you could uh, colonize a planet, you know, create a mining outpost. Um, you know, there are several things that you could do. 
Um, but when you look at characters, you're going to want to put, and a lot of the game too is about character management. Um, you got to think about, okay, I'm going to put a character in charge of this new colony. Well, I can give it to another house that doesn't like me as a token of goodwill, even though it will raise their power. And they can have a good admin rating, which raises, you know, basically makes the colony more efficient. But let's say they have a trait like um, backstabber or cruel. Well, you know, that's not good because it means the pop, they treat their pops very poorly. And then you have a risk of a, of a, of a serious riot or, um, you know, at the very least, uh, people will leave colony in droves unless you check immigration options. So there's a lot of check and balance about, well, I, I can't just put my best person there because it can have other repercussions. Am I willing to live with a psychopath who's got a level four admin rating, knowing that my planet might go up in flames? I don't, you know, send a ton of military to, to support him. Those are the kind of decisions that you have to make pretty much every single turn. Well, you're talking about uh, like some of the honorable traits that some of the other characters would have. So is that a thing that prevents you from, just assassinating that that one douche that you don't like is because the people that are honorable are going to really look down on that and you're going to break favor, you know, like otherwise these people might really like you. But if you go assassinating somebody, then everybody that's got an honor trait will just be like, yep, shun. Yeah, you. Um, yeah, if people are seen as honorable, and actually the next version, I just uploaded a new patch. Um, and I think Brian, you might have run into the the issue previously. Um, that provides what's called the the um, popularity system. So characters have popularity, what's called fear and love. And every character in the game has a fear and love rating, including the emperor. So you have um, fear, which is basically you do things that are sort of tyrannical, and you do things that um, are more about you know hurting your populace in order to kind of extort them to get the most out of them. Whereas love, it's more about, you know, I'm bread and circuses type atmosphere. You know, I love my population. I'm going to grow a lot of food. I'm going to give them the best, you know, make sure they live on the best planets, um, pass laws and edicts that are, that are favorable to them. Um, but it's very expensive um, run a empire that way. But back to your question if you have characters that are loved and they typically characters that have honorable traits are more loved by their population um, that they oversee, whether they're a viceroy or a system governor or a province governor, um, it, if you um, take them out, pops that loved that, um, that character are, are going to take it very poorly, uh, especially if you're they're of different culture than you are. So, there is a huge risk of, of, of um, rebellion. And, and mm-hmm. so insofar as losing those planets, it's well, not quite in the game yet, but that's what, part of the design. Yeah. What I mean is like, instead of telling the player, you don't have the option to assassinate that guy. It, it's like, Oh, you always do. Oh yeah. Oh, but, you have the option. But it's like, yeah. you're going to lose a lot of friends. If you do that, like people, people that would normally otherwise really like you will, will kind of step back and be like, Oh yes. Know. So, yes, exactly. Yeah, but then you might you Always. might actually gain respect of the douchebags. Yes, <laughs> so, that's it. Yeah, so did and, and, so do the other characters interrelate with each other that way? So like if if one of your neighbors does something underhanded, then do you know do do they basically track opinions of each other as well? 
and, yes, every, and can every, you ask somebody like what's your opinion of that guy yes you can every character yeah. has an opinion of every other character um and it goes far beyond i know crusader king is just a number from 200 to negative 200 uh our system is a lot more complex um you have uh, 18 different relationship uh, states um, anywhere from allies to vengeance <laughs> um and and they can have you know there can be diametric states so there's a predator versus prey state there's a patron uh versus patronage state um there is a um there are, you know you can you can hate someone but they can be neutral towards you um so yes there there are relationship states um when the ai for the characters uh in the houses starts getting added which is actually going to be a version that we're working on right now that's going to play a big part so uh, in fact, if you look on a character uh, sh- uh, character sh- uh, screen, you'll see their five basically most loved characters that they have the best relationships with and the, the five characters they have the worst relationships with. That's something that you'll have to consider, you know, if you're trying to uh, make a good relationship with uh, a certain character, they're going to know and they track things that you do friends. So if you do something poorly to their friend, uh, especially ones that they have an ally or friend relationship with, um, they're going to uh, see that in a very poor light. So they do plot against each other. Um, there are uh, actions, and, and I mean, this could fill a whole. The AI could fill a whole topic by itself. It's it's uh, and Oliver uh, designed a lot of the AI, um, but essentially they have goal state AI, and they use action points just like the. They can do actions, but their actions are a little bit different. Yeah. So the one thing I, I guess I just want to emphasize is uh, whenever the AI changes opinion or whatever, um, just make sure that that gets communicated to the player, like, you know, as much as the player can stand, right? So maybe let them turn the verbosity up and down on that. But it, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, they, they could almost like send you a text message like, wow, that was a douchey thing you just did. I used to like you and you know, or something like that. Um, or, or, you know, they, they would actually state their approval or whatever. Um, because that way I would see, you know, like if I do something, then I would get like a bunch of, uh, feedback from, you know, like 10 different characters would send me messages, just a little one liner in the log. that's like, Oh, this is what I thought about that. And, uh, or, or if they're neutral, then, you know, they're silent. But, um, other thing is, uh, if if you kind of have like a court intrigue kind of deal, it's like your visibility of what's going on would probably depend on if you have spies there, and and it's not necessarily hostile spies, but you know it's like you could be best friends with somebody, but you really don't know what's going on on his planet unless you have like one of your agents there in his court kind of thing, and yeah, and if you piss him off, he he might just like send your guy home. And then it's like, well, he's invisible now. I don't know what's going on over there. Well, we have a, a sort of sort of version of that. You're, you're pretty close. So we have in the Intel version, you have you have Inquisitor squads. Um, now these are think kind of like Warhammer 40k. Uh, the picture we have is of the small guy in a trench coat that's backed up by like these ten foot robots, like mm-hmm. gigantic, uh, <laughs> um, you know, military robots that are, are there to provide the muscle. You have a limited amount. Each Inquisitor is actually its own character, and they have certain traits that they're good at. 
basic idea is that you'll be able, and you'll start out with a small number. You have to spend money to recruit, and this is kind of where budgeting comes into play. Um, you can train Inquisitor squads, and then once they're trained up, you can send them to either um, uh, patrol or you know passively survey uh, a system, a planet, or a province. Of course, the effectiveness gets less the wider the range. Uh, or you can uh, direct them to investigate a specific character. Um, and that will obviously put the wind up um, because public um, that, you know, you can declare either publicly or privately uh, that you have sent an inquisitor uh, after a certain character do that uh, publicly. They're going to lie very low. Um, it's going to, their reputation is going to take a big hit, um, you know, because these are like feared squads. These are like your death squads kind of. Mm. They're not. Well, I mean, that, this is kind of, that's kind of like the hostile spy though. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's like really high profile, but yeah. I'm, what I'm talking about you can is dial it back as well. Yeah. You can go incognito as well. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm talking about like, can you, uh, can you have, I, I don't know. I, I guess you would have like a character that's almost like one of your advisors, but he could be like your spy master. Right. Where it, it's like, he, he knows like, well, the maid that, you know, that works for this governor, um, you know, it's like we know her or we work to get one of our people hired in there. So now we have a source of information from a very low key character. But if they get discovered, they might get booted out or something. I'm just, I'm just thinking to like the the level yeah. of, of like kind of subtlety stuff that went on in, in like the Dune novels. Right. Where no, it's like, sure. and, and, and there's not a there's not a mechanic for that specifically. Um, but that doesn't mean we couldn't add it. I mean, we're, you know, we're still. That's actually not a bad idea. Which is essentially yeah. action and intel action. Well, like um, in a crusader king kind of thing. Like if I if I'm England and I want to be spying on France, I'm going to make sure that you know some of my ministers are are down there hanging in the French court because then they're feeding back to me. You know, and it's almost like well, you know, we we have our our diplomats down there, but diplomats are actually spies with a with a smile on their face, right? It's like the yeah. the embassy is also the the spy palace. Yeah, no, I know, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's definitely something that we can take into. Yeah, because it, it's like you know, real world. Everybody spies on everybody, right? It's like sure. we have, you know, we're we're great friends with Britain, but that doesn't mean we're not tapping their phones, right? Because yeah. you know, right. you keep your friends close. Very, but, very close. Yeah, you just don't you don't get caught <laughs> because then it's like everybody knows you're doing it. But it, but if they catch you doing it, then you kind of like drop some standing. Yeah, you know, it's it's like well, we still talk to Germany, but Merkel knows. Yeah, no, that you're absolutely right, and and that's that's something we'll have to we'll think about. You know, what, big part of the game is about projecting your power, mm-hmm. um, and you can project it either in a fearsome way, what we call in the period we would call this tyrannical, mm-hmm. or uh, love, which in the old game we would called. Um, um, how we call it. Basically it was for the, for the people, for the um, populace. That's what it was. So, um, so what about if I wanted to do something that is kind of counter to the persona that I put on in public, right? Like I'm a, I'm a generally peaceful kind of guy, but I want to secretly be building the death star just in case. Right. But if the people knew that I was doing that, there would be a stink. Right. Um, okay. So could I pay extra to like make it quiet? 
right? So so it it would be like, well, you can you can like kick this program off because I I saw where you have that you know like you can start programs on on planets, and it's and it's almost like, well, you can pay like triple the cost and make it be covert, so that your reputation doesn't get impacted by it or something like that. Cause oh. that would, that would allow me to like prep for war while I'm putting a smile and, you know, glad hand and everybody. Right but now there's, there's not an, yeah, you, you, you basically want to make a, a project private. Um, you know, we, we talked about that Oliver and I, uh, especially some less savory pro- projects because projects have their own uh, rating, tyrannical or benevolent, benevolent is yeah. what I was looking for. Um, yeah, I guess and, make and, make a tyrannical uh, thing look more benevolent by paying. Actually, yeah, we talked about the idea of making it kind of a, a secret, maybe not like a Death Star type thing, but if you were trying, like one of the projects I'm going to add here very shortly is uh, culture camps, um, to where you know you you have culture tensions on a planet, and there's many peaceful ways to take care of it, but if you don't care about being hated by a certain culture, you can basically, um, you know imprison certain cultures you know it's, it's obviously an incredibly tyrannical thing to do and yeah. the culture across will hate it but you we talked about well can we make this a secret thing um you know so obviously it doesn't spread and or is it always public and yeah so there's right a now thing. they're still public have you played much stellaris because stellaris has some interesting mechanics in there i have it, i i go back to it every time there's a major update yeah, that's kind of that's basically the deal, right? It's like, hey, there's a patch, and then we all play it for a week, and then we put it back on the shelf Pretty until they, yeah. You know, that, speak for yourself. I play the shit out of it. I love it. I don't hate it. It's just you no. Know, I'm talking that that was for that was for Jim. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying the interest peaks community wide, right? Like you see, if you look at Steam charts, it's like boom, everybody's playing Stellaris, and then it kind of trickles, which is kind of like Eve, right? It's like, hey, the beta, and everybody plays it, and then it's like, okay. We did it, you know, but, um, but the thing in Stellaris, right. Is whenever I have new factions come up, right. Like, like there's some political rift, right. And, and I'll end up with like some, some like breakout ideology and I really don't like them and they're kind of dangerous, you know, cause it's, cause it's like, well, maybe, maybe I'm xenophobic and then this really like alien friendly cult, like starts brewing and, and I don't have a mechanic for just stepping on that. And, but the thing is like, if, if I'm, if I'm a popular ruler and I'm loved and then it's like, well, there's a small rebellion, right? Like here's these politically divergent people. And, and it's kind of like, yeah, I'd really like to step on those guys, but it would make me look like a tyrant. So how much do I tolerate it? How how big do I let that cancer grow before I before I take the the hit you know the the beating in uh, in my uh, my approval rating of of just going in there and and like gassing those fools <laughs> or whatever yeah, it takes that, right? yeah and then that's pretty much the decision you have I mean you certainly yeah. don't have to go that way but well Stellaris doesn't let me do it I got yeah, I got to just we deal will with it <laughs> yeah. we'll let you be as evil as you want to be and we Ooh. know that's going to be controversial perhaps. But this is a game about a person. At the end of the day, it's about you. You are a human being and control a, an empire. And, um, you know, the choices you make are, are going to impact you know, your, your gameplay experience for the rest of the game, you know, mm-hmm. for dozens of years. So 
Yeah, there are going to be some. I mean, you you'll have the ability to nuke a planet. Um, that basically depth charges to kind of pre, you know, pre, um, you know, secretly. Of course, you wouldn't announce this. You get too far out of line, you can just you know, boom, and then business. Now, obviously, you're going down a huge road, and it is very difficult once you go that route to come back because it's hard to convince people that no, just kidding, I'm really a nice guy. It's much easier to go tyrannical from being benevolent than it is to go benevolent from being tyrannical. So, and the lure is easy because it's a lot cheaper to go tyrannical because it's just cheaper in general to, to send a bunch of inquisitor squads and to send a bunch of military as, as uh, garrisons and, and, and that. Um, but, and, and you can absolutely play that way, but you're going to, the thing about that is if you ever lose your grip on power just for a second, and you have, uh, you know, your houses under your thumb and your, your populations under your thumb. You would better maintain power like an like an iron fist because yeah, the first like time that it lets don't up, you have all kinds of the army. Trouble. Yep, I mean, and it's going to be just that hard. So you know, that's part of the design. Yeah, you can play that way, but you better, you, you damn well better have a firm grip at all times on the wheel. Yep. Yeah, and the and the meaner you are, the like the more often that insurrections are going to pop up. So you're going to have to like be crushing rebellions pretty often. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of the, you know, the ultimate aim of the game. Um, that's kind of in the, the few, you know, the 1.0 is, is your, your ultimate aim is to beat back a, uh, an alien species. Uh, that's come back to destroy humanity. Um, you know, the, the history of the game started a thousand years ago. That's how, you know, he came to this sector of the Milky way is uh, mm. a race called the Zill came to earth uh, they came through a stargate that was built um, through plans that came basically it's kind of a huge backstory but basically mm-hmm. um, you know they came we built it uh, in the early 2000s um, and then they came through it basically to, to, to take the uh, resources of earth um, you know we fought them to a standstill you know we got an arc through the gate kind of like a little bit like uh, oh god what's that uh, hold uh, ever heard of that series there's kind of a uh, aliens that are looking to destroy humanity, and they basically get to one planet. Which series? That's called the Safe Hold series by David Weber. Oh no, I've never heard of it. It's a really good series. If you ever, it's a little off topic, but uh, yeah, it's about a ten book series, but uh, really, really good. So, but but point being, and, and, and that one's cool too because Mother Church kind of takes over. Uh, technology is kept to a minimum because that's what the alien speed called the Gababa in the book, um, they seek out that technology. So they have to keep their technology on the super down low uh, to not be found. But anyway, so the whole aim of the game is you as the emperor, you're kind of woke. You have psychic powers and you're woke to this future of the Zill coming back, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from, you know, game time. So a big part of your overarching strategy uh, when the final game uh, design will be to rebuild your empire and rebuild your war machine. Well, if you're spending all your war machine fighting your own people and trying to, you know, keep your plants under control, you're not going to have much of an army left, you know, to fight uh, the Zill when they attack and then everybody loses. So that's just one more kind of a, a strategy fulcrum um, that you may have to consider. So uh, that won't be until about version 0.9. Um, I wrote a blog series about three or four weeks ago kind of detailing the five levels of gameplay and it's kind of like expanding out. You know, you are the first level, 
your pops of the second level, your characters of the third level, um, your other breakaway civilizations that have kind of fallen off the empire over the, over the centuries uh, are the fourth level, bringing them back to the fold. And of course the Zill attack is kind of the final countdown, so to speak. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it's better to play evil because you get better toys. You know, your military, because you, as you said, characters that gravitate towards evil tend to be very good at things like um, being admirals and being generals because that's that's the um, what they do. So the one positive side is you will get better weapons, you will get ships, you will get better characters to command those ships. Uh, it's all it's all a game of give and take. I dig it. That makes the um, the end game that much more engaging. Yeah, and and you can turn that off. That you'll have an option to kind of if you just play kind of sandbag or, or sandlot a la Crusader Kings, you can do that. <laughs> um, and I and I suspect people may play with the Zill for a first a few run throughs and then turn it off, um, or they may just keep the challenge. And you'll be able to turn up the challenge uh, when they earlier they come. Obviously, the more difficult it is, um, and then you know. So there's a lot of things we can do to kind of tweak the uh, end game a little bit, but we felt it was important to have an end game that fit with the lore. Uh, and you have a thousand year history and you'll be able to pull up that history within the game. You'll have a uh, uh, Alliance of PDA, wherever we end up calling it, that you'll be able to read through this history. And Dr. Brian, you said you really like the lore. Um, we're going to add a lot more to it. We're not going to hit you in the face with it, oh, but it'll great. be there if you want it. Now, I, yes. I I apologize. I was dealing with an issue in the chat room, so I might have missed this. But can your character – like your character can be killed. But can your character get married or have yes. children? Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, it's not like Crusader Kings. You can't – you can have kids, but it's not going to – the game ends when you die, period. There's no you know passing it on to your son or daughter or whatever. It's – I'm that way for a reason. You are you are the everything. So when you die, you're the last of your line. Basically, humanity loses hope. Zill come, game over. Um, but you can get married. You can have kids. The kids can grow up to become powerful characters in their own right. You, they'll tend to have better traits, and they'll be offshoots of whatever you have grown. Um, you're going to have, you know, there's a lot of RPG to it, too. You're going to have uh, the Emperor's screen. It's called the throne room going to add that in 0.7 you're going to be able one of the actions you can take is um education and you'll be able to you'll have points in in kind of major uh skill sets um that you'll be able to you know increase like you'll be able to increase your uh, charisma you know if you have better speeches that have better effect you can increase your charisma increase your intelligence if you want more ap um if you want to increase your charm um you'll have a higher love rating you know things like that and you'll be able to add traits based on what you're working on. Um, they'll be kind of random. You're not going to get to pick them, but they'll come kind of randomly uh, based on your actions. Kind of like Total War. I don't know if you guys play Total War, right? Sure. Where where you kind of build traits depending on what your character's done, like your generals. Um, they're going to be kind of like that. So you won't really get to pick a trait. But if you continue to do bloodthirsty things, you're going to get a eventually a psychopathic traits. Um but you can kind of build your character. I mean, it's not the main focus. It's not like a full-fledged, you know, um, D&D type thing, but you will be able to customize your emperor throughout the years. And 
kind of guide them down different paths. You'll be able to, uh, there's a psychic tree. Um, they'll be able to go down. They have psychic abilities, um, hours as they age. So, I mean, it, it's just really exciting. You know, you've never had a 4X, uh, or if we had, I've never heard of it, um, where you're able to level up your emperor. Would you be able to do it? Uh, you'll be able to do it online. Not really, no. <laughs> there have been some emperor-based, um, uh, other emperor-based strategy games like Stellar Monarch and whatnot, but I don't think your emperor leveled up in that. I think they were relatively static. So that is super intriguing. <laughs> Not leveling say. in the sense you're level six emperor, but you'll be able to increase your skills. Right, it's sure, yeah. It's progression. You know, you get older. Um, so if you put a lot of, of time into um, intelligence, you know, it makes sense that you would have more AP because you're learning. You're learning how better to use your government, how better to use your advisors. Um, so things are going to make sense in the game world depending on what you put your points in. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking it would actually be like the people that you surround yourself with, the influence of them, not only in the moment, right? But they're going to they're gonna like skill you up in what they're good at. So if you surround yourself with a bunch of generals, it's kind of it's going to rub off. But you know, if you if you uh, I don't know, like start hanging around uh, like the the I don't know the the elocution people or, or whatever. Like your courtly stuff could go up. Well, and that would be the gilded worlds. Uh, if you read the history, they're kind of the uh, uh, the drugged subclass. They're yeah. there basically for fun and games. Um, and yeah, and yeah, I mean, that's something, you know, you, you don't necessarily rub off, you know, traits don't rub off on that, but your pop populations, depending on the cultures that you bring into your empire, because remember there's also, there's a middle ring of cultures that are a little bit more wild. And then there's what's called the outer ring. Mm-hmm. And these represent cultures that are broken away. And there's some of them are almost not human. I mean, we're talking after 500 years, there's a whole history of like the fall of the Terran Empire and Second Civil War and, and, you know, a lot of breakaway civilizations. But over the, over the, the, a lot of cultures kind of developed because they lost contact with the Celestial Empire, the new Terra, and really gotten kind of wild. But they have a lot of abilities that they can bring into empire if you can convince their core civilizations to join. So that, you know, depending on the civilization and the, and the cultures that you bring in, give your empire additional abilities. Um, right now, the design doesn't call for you to necessarily benefit, but indirectly by your pops having more abilities because certain cultures are good at different things, you know, like manufacturing or warfare or uh, trade, you know, merchants, things like that. Mm. Very indirect sense. And you, you would benefit by having uh, a hedge characters and cultures around you yeah well i mean it's it's like in an rpg you pick skills but in this it's almost like you would pick your cabinet right because it's like i i it's almost like you're hiring skills right yeah and you do have a cabinet you have the the celestial cabinet um you know it doesn't i i know what you i know what you're saying you know it doesn't quite work like that but if you, you can't just put people, you won't be successful if you just put everyone from your house, the ruling house under the council, because then mm. everyone's got pretty much the same skill set. You need, you know, like I say, House Iloa. They're the big mining um, house. 
Well, if you run out of basic materials, you're pretty much screwed because you can't build anything. Right. Um, so you, but do you, have, you want really good. I'm sorry. But do you have, do you have like multiple selection? It's like, I know I need somebody from that house, but yeah. do I, do I have a multiple selection? Like, well, I could pick this guy, but he's a little too independent and I want somebody that's going to kind of be under my thumb. So yes. maybe I'll yes. pick the lesser guy because yes. I can control now you see him. right now. I don't know if you see the screen, you see, it's got that little, um, no sign under the, the, uh, character portrait. See right now they're looking at financial prime. Um, so that means you can have characters that refuse to serve. They hate you so much or their house hates you that they refuse to serve. Now those mm-hmm. characters won't be available unless you work with them. And that can be frustrating. Those tend to be your really good characters, your level four, your level five admins, things like that. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're the ones then, that are like, prove it to me before I come work for you. Exactly. Wine yeah. and dine me. Prove it because you know, if they have a high honor, so their house hates you, they're not going to break from their house. Mm. Um, now, low honor characters are much more likely to be like, yeah, you know, whatever's good for me. Um, so you got a couple options. You can butter up the house, you can butter up that character. I mean, really butter up that character by giving them a planet or a system. <laughs> um, if you want to go that far, I mean, that will do it, but you know, mm. that, that's a lot to do. Um, I mean, you can give houses right now. You can give a house an entire province, but other houses are going to notice that you did this. And yeah, it's going to, it's going to increase your relations with that house. That's going to piss off you because you just gave them an entire province. And, uh, you know, there's a concept in Crusader King, Crusader Kings called the uh, demence. It's a concept basically of you as King can't rule everything. There's kind of a finite limit before your, 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 subjects get annoyed like wow you know you're getting basically too big for your britches you know you have everything we have nothing there's kind of a factor of that here as well and that's reflected in the power if you get too powerful because power a big part of the power is through your planets and systems and provinces that you control and how of course how developed they are and, yep. and you know that yeah you other it doesn't matter how great a relationship you have your house eventually they're gonna be like look like this, you know, he's got everything. We have nothing. You know, let's, we got to band together and stop this. And that's how you can get breakaway houses in civil war. Um, but kind of answering your question, I'm sorry, I get, there's so much of the game design. I feel like I could talk for hours about it. Um, yes. Yeah. You can pick specific people and that's a very important part of it. And again, character management is critical. You know, you shouldn't just be able to click, Oh, this guy's got a four admin. Let's just go. No, no, no. He hates you. And he's a psychopath and he's greedy and he's a cutthroat. Mm. You know, well, so it's it, like, it also <laughs> should matter. Like if, if that person, when I try to hire them, they look at the rest of my cabinet. And if there's a lot of people they like that are already there, then they should be a little more inclined. Right. So it, at that point, it's like, I know this guy is really good friends with that guy. And if I hire that other guy, then he'll be much more inclined to come work for me too. Right. So I might, I might take somebody I don't really want to, to, like seduce another character over the line kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if, if you have good relationships, if you put more people from a rival house on your um, celestial council, then yeah, they're going to be more inclined because they see your, the house is going to, first of all, the house is going to be more favorable towards you because you're giving them a place at the table. You're giving them power. Mm-hmm. Um, so that character, if they, if they're loyal to their house and they have a high honor, then they're, yeah, they're probably going to go along with that, but they're still going to have a personal feeling towards you. And that's kind of where the nuanced relationships comes in. That's why we don't do just a negative 200 to 200 thing. Yeah, do you have, do you have like some kind of visualization, like a, 
like a relationship map. So I can pick a guy and then get like a cloud of other people, you know, like it'll show portraits or something like who he likes, who he hates. Not yet, but we, um, that's going to be very important. Um, We've talked about different ways of doing that because that's actually critical. Um, The UI for that is really critical because you you said, yeah, you got to know if I'm going to deal with this character, I got to know who I'm going to piss off and what their relationships are. And that's a very important part of it. So we've looked at kind of an expanding ring Mm. uh, concept of having, you know, that person in the middle and then they have their close friends. And then as they kind of expand out, um, you know, they get more, you know, hated, but the people closest have the most influence on. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think, I think one thing I would definitely do with that is if you have an advisor that it's almost like your what if man. So, it's it's like okay i'm going to do this but before you confirm it you can consult the advisor and just be like what what's going to happen if i do this and then the advisor could be like well standings are going to change this way for that guy and this way for that guy or or you know kind of give you the breakdown of what's going to happen if you if you click okay and and that gives you kind of a like well okay i didn't realize it was going to do that maybe i don't want to do that kind of you know sort of thing. So it's not yeah. really, they're giving you advice about what you should do, but it's just saying, this is what the likely outcome is going to be. If, if you want to accept that or not. So it's interesting you say that because one of the biggest design arguments, but it, it, it's conversations that, that Oliver and I had was the idea of how much help should you get? I love paradox. I love their games. I've, I own by 90% of them. I can't stand the fact that I can tooltip over something and I know to the, to the decimal point, what, what is, is causing a particular decision or what's causing, you know, why, why are my traders not trading or, you know, why is this province about to go into revolt? I mean, that's fine, but I don't want to know to the nth degree of every last thing that's happening. It's Mm -hmm. overwhelming. And I doubt I would have that information. So what we're looking for is to give feedback but we, uh, if you notice in the UI, you don't get a lot of number feedback. You get a lot mm-hmm. of text feedback. You know, someone doesn't have an 85 intelligence. I mean, they right. have it in the game, but it's in the system. They just have, depending on the intel, they're either high intelligence or exceptional intelligence or low intelligence. Yeah, because it, it keeps people from min-maxing it. Exactly. Yeah, keep so it, keep it, keep it fuzzy, it feels more real. Yeah, if if you keep it if you keep it a little bit fuzzy, and maybe your advisor isn't completely accurate either, right? Exactly. So, um, so, so about that that deal though, what you said, like, you know, it's like, well, let's say something does happen, right? Well, it's like, okay, my miners all went on strike. I have no idea why, right? So that would be a place where I would I would hire an advisor. Like, I could pay money to send somebody there. Right. Like get on a ship, fly your ass over there, find out why they quit. And then, you know, I, I could pay a fee for that. And then they come back in a turn or two and say, oh, yeah, it's this. And and that way, it's it's not like I just moused over a tooltip or something and got, you know, oh, I see it very clearly. But I actually had to dispatch somebody, you know, like a ruler would. And, and it's like, you know, go over there and find out why that's going on and maybe advise me how to fix it kind of thing. And then they could come back and be like, Hey, their opinion's really low because. Interesting about that. If they hate you, they can give you bad information. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? (laughs) 
Well, I mean, it's yeah, I'm just thinking about. I mean, remember, this is an early access game. I mean, one of the reasons we released it is because we want feedback. I mean, I, you know, we've we've got a game design document and everything, and it's quite robust, but a bad idea. It yeah, would be very workable in the system. I mean, that's just an action. That's just a different action. It's a it's a Intel action. You um, you know, you target a, a situation. You have a you know, you already have the events. You just target an event and say, "Hey, investigate," and then they come back and turn to you later and they tell you what they found out. Right. And you don't have enough. You don't have enough guys to investigate everything, right? And it costs no, money, no. or 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 maybe it costs influence, right? Like if you, you could lose them, yeah, if you send them into a war zone or something like a really bad situation, they could get killed. Yep. So, like so maybe this. you don't send your best advisor into the war. Well, <laughs> but that's a, I like that. I'm gonna write that down. Can can I uh, can I explore that? Oh, further? absolutely. Feeling <laughs> ideas, but I kind of like that. Yeah, because it, well it's like there's so often that I, I just I see something happen in a game and it's like, wow, why is that going on? Because I, I can't explain it. Like, what did I miss? And it and if I could just like ask the game, like specifically this thing, like why? Why did that happen? And, uh, you know, but it, but it's with, with a game that's like the, you know, the the paradox stuff, it's always like, well, we gave you all the numbers figured out. And, and it's like, well, that doesn't help me because there's too much information. I just want the simple one sentence answer, you know, like, Hey, you forgot to pay him. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, yeah. And it, it even not, not even at that level of complexity, but like whenever I play, uh, I've been playing a lot of Warhammer total war and I'll have crap go on there. And it's just like, God, why did they do that? Like, why did this guy suddenly attack me? It it make you know, it's like doesn't make sense. I didn't see that coming. And and it's like, well, what could I have done? You know? Um, or or it's a thing of of like, I want that guy to like me. I want an alliance with him. And I keep proposing like trade deals and stuff, and he keeps turning it down. And and it's like they never tell you, okay, this is what I want. Right. It's like, do you want this? No. Do you want that? No. How about this? No. And I just want to turn to the guy and be like, what the hell do you want? <laughs> you know, like, what do I need to do to make this happen? And uh, that I think would be maybe a thing that you could throw an advisor at. Like, you know, it's like I offered that guy a treaty. He said, no, like, go over there and find out what it'll take. And and then maybe that guy can come back and, and be like, yeah, he wants this, this and this. And then the deal will go. Yeah, that's that's a good idea because you know a lot of times, especially like riots, it's going to come down to um, they hate their viceroy, they're mistreated, um, there's not enough jobs, unemployment is a big deal. Um, you know, in, in an imperia, you actually had a, a demographics panel that kind of gave you all that information. I still felt like that was too. You know, I just click on a panel. Okay, oh, that's why. Okay, I'll just fire the viceroy. I think there should be more for, to it, but we just couldn't figure out the, the, you know, within the context of the game design, how do we do this? You know, we talked about Intel using your inquisitors, but that's really not quite, you know, they're not there as bully squads either. That's yeah. So this actually is a good, this is a good bridge to fill that gap. Because, you know, information, in a game like this, information is key. And you're only as successful as the information that you have at your fingertips. And, and part of what we're trying to Show is that you don't have complete information like a war game. You know, it's the fog of war. Um, you know, it's the 
fog of uh, characters, the fog of your population. You don't know everything about your population. You don't know exactly why they're rioting. You don't know exactly yeah. people are, are leaving a planet, you know, leaving probably because the, you know, the bio rating is like a 40 and it's a hellhole, but you don't truly know that there could be right. other reasons. So, well, whenever, like that. whenever you, um, the, I, I think the, the way I would go about coding that, and and this might turn into like a difficulty slider thing too, um, would be like whenever, cause the AI is going to look at it and it's going to look at the numbers and it's going to make a decision and it knows what it based the decision on. Right. So it, it, as far as like, if, if you have like uh, a reason uh, thing attached to that object, right. Where, where you just say, okay, here, here's the reason I did this. And then the, uh, the AI would actually just drop a note in there. And this would be great for debug too, right? Would would just be like, oh yeah, I decided that that these guys would riot, and the reason that I decided that they would riot is this, right? So when your advisor goes out there, he actually gets that log, right? And that's what th- that way you don't have to like reassess it because there was a record of why did the AI make that decision, um, and then if you turn the difficulty down to to like just show me everything. Right. Then you could actually just barf those logs out to the player when it happens. Uh, just like this happened and here's why. But if they play it on like a, you know, a notch higher difficulty, it's like, no, no, now we got to actually send agents out and investigate. But that would help you as, as for debug, right? It's like, wow, this, this happened and I don't know why. Like, what was the AI thinking? And, and if you're actually dumping log of it, then you would know. Yeah. Well, when we get the AI going, um, we're going to have several logs. There's actually a couple different AIs. There's a threat AI and there's a goals AI. Um, then they kind of, you know, work together to kind of determine yeah. a, a character's course of action. But yeah, mm. there'll be a lot of internal logs because it's really important for us to understand why a character made a, a decision. Not only a made a decision to pursue a certain goal, but then B what actions they're taking to pursue that goal. You know, does it make sense? power structure does it make sense given their traits um does it make sense given their culture you know all mm-hmm. that is kind of factored in so there'll be a lot of logging um but i like the idea of kind of you know having that in game yeah i mean it's like d- developer debug it's like you get to see all the logs but if you're a player you have to pay to see the log yeah yeah i'll see what you mean but it, but at least at least you have something where you don't have to write like an AI for the agent that went out there. It's, it's just like, okay, the agent went out there. We make a dice roll. Did he, did he get it? If so, then he can actually read that log reason back to the player, maybe altered slightly. Right. Um, but, but at least the information is there for that agent to go get rather than having to like, you know, code some kind of investigation to arrive at that same reason, you know, as long as it just persists, as, as like with the situation, how, how did we arrive there is, is kind of like twinned up with the status itself, right? Like a riot happened and then there's like a reason tag with it. Yeah, no. And that, and again, it just comes back to as emperor, you know, I want to allocate my, because remember that, that would take an action point. So do I want to use all my action points toward gathering information or do I want to use them to do things? Because again, you have that you have that power loss if you're not seen. Because sending agents isn't seen as doing. It's not a 
action that's seen by your populace. Yeah. Well, um, the one thing that I, you know, in looking at the map of this thing, because it's been a while since since we talked and I, I saw this and it was like a way different version, but I, I was kind of briefly looking over the map and instead of it being like a Stellaris or Master of Orion kind of thing where, where it's like, hey, there's stars all over the place and I don't know what any of them are or anything. It's, it's like, no, the galaxy is a known thing. And it's like, I might not know what's going on on that planet, but I know that star is there and how many planets are there and maybe a little bit about it. Right. Um, and it, it, it also seems like um, each of the empires, they, it's, it's like they have a constellation of worlds and, you know, cause, cause you have what looks like a constellation symbol. I, I assume that's what it is, right? It's They're like, constellations. Yeah. So, so it's like that empire is those worlds. And does it really matter geographically where they're located from each other or, or not? Cause it, cause it's like, it, it's not like a, a game where I'm going to sail a fleet of ships over there and we're going to fight over this, this planet that's in the middle between us or something. It matters. It's for like, they, okay. But, it, but it's like, I've got my territory, go. you've got yours yeah. and it's, and it's like its own sphere. Right. It's like, yeah. here's my kingdom and my planets. And it's not like my stuff is spread out all over hell. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is, yeah, for migration, I mean, obviously, they're not going to want to go as far out. So, I mean, uh, distance matters, but, and, and you, different civilizations cannot colonize inside another civilization system, treaty of some kind. But uh, on that, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because that, that could be a nasty thing to do, right? Like, I get my culture up. Like, if I want to, if I want to do a culture victory, I get my culture like pumped up, and and you know, business is booming, standard of living is really high, and I just open my borders. You know, like, hey, everybody, immigrate, right? And uh, then that gives that gives your neighbors a problem, right? Because it's like, well, do we want to close our our you know, do we like seal the borders now because we don't want our people like flooding over there? Like, you know, it's like they're going to take all of our talent. Yeah. And that, and that's a part of, uh, uh, tensions, you know, different yeah. cultures get along pretty well, uh, because of the ideology, I don't know if you saw the ideas, cultures have different ideas and there's, there's 12 different ideas. And if they don't agree, um, with a lot of them, then there's going to be tension on that planet. Right. Um, that's going to diminish effectiveness, lower, um, public order, things like that. So, yeah. Cause if the guy's a tyrant and he doesn't close his borders, I think all his people are coming over here where I'm a nice guy. So he's going to have yeah. to do something about that. Right. So yeah, it, it's, I, I like to have the opportunity to actually fight a cultural and economic battle rather than just have to go to the guns every time, because you know, it's like the guns are kind of a last resort, especially in a, in a sci-fi space kind of thing. It's like when you start rolling fleets at each other, it's already like Armageddon time. So, you know, I, I, I like the, the kind of cold war aspect of things yeah and and you know military is a is a part of the game um it's mainly a tool and of course for the end game it's important um but i want people to be able to win with using almost no military right i'm not necessarily in a civil-like way but you have that cultural i mean you know there's not a cultural victory per se like there is in civ and, and whatnot but you know you can create an empire your way 
You know, there are, there are uh, cultures that have traits that you want. So if I want a manufacturing empire, then I can push out cultures that don't do well with that. And I can, I can build, you know, it's a mercantile culture. Um, I can build that culture, make it my primary culture, push out others that, that, you know, don't do well with it, uh, convince, you know, uh, similar cultures that have high um, manufacturing traits to come. And, and I can build that empire that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, now well, in the, in the military thing, it's it's like a relevance deal, right? Because I mean, if you look at North Korea, right, they're no threat to anybody really, but they like to saber rattle just so we don't forget they're there, right? And it's like, well, is that it, to whose advantage is that, right? But it keeps them on the world stage, you know. So, so it's it, and it's kind of a well, it's a thing. You know, it's like, yeah, they, they like to like whiz a missile over toward Japan every now and then just to make sure that we don't forget their name. But, I, you know, it, it's it's like I could I could see that kind of deal like with military stuff, right? Where where it's like other games, you, you kind of it, it's like you're either at war or you're not. Right. So it's it's not it's not like we're going to send the fleet to the border. And this, this is a, you know, like this is a a gesture, right? Like I'm going to put my fleet at the border, but I'm not going to really roll over there, but that's going to actually maybe change the politics a little bit. You know, it's, it's, uh, I I forget what those islands are. Right. But it's like every now and then America like likes to sail a ship through those waters, just like we dare you. Right. Cause nobody's going to take a shot. Oh, the islands right off of, uh, of China. Yeah. Yeah, and, that disputed thing, and, it, yeah. and it's just like every now and then we just like to roll through there and just be like, you remember this is neutral, right? And <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I just I find I find that kind of subtle politics interesting because we're we're using a military, but it's not a total war thing. It's it's just a display of force, I, I guess is the best term. So if if you can if you can uh, accomplish your goals with a display of force rather than having to annihilate a certain percentage of the enemy until they wave a white flag, you're probably better off. Unless you're a tyrant and then, you know, like pave the earth with their blood, whatever. But as long as you have the military to back it up, that's, that's the key. And the power at least one or two houses, they're uh, so afraid of you. They're not going to revolt. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I know what you mean. And and I don't know that you'll have that level of, uh, over the military. The military is going to be more of a tool, but I can tell you that just like in an in Imperia, you would have generals and admirals that refuse to, um, like for instance, you could send a uh, army to bomb your own planet or fleet or you know use them to oppress the people. Um, some generals won't do it because their, their honor is too high and their, their empathy is too high and they just won't do it. And so that's something that also is unique you know, no, again, no forex game I've ever played. You give an order to your fleet, and they're like, "Nope, yeah, not going to do that." <laughs> well, and, it, and it's like the thing, like you know, if the if the president like called up a nuclear submarine and and was just like, "Well, for no reason, you know, let's nuke Australia today," and you know, they, they would be like, "Nah, <laughs> we're not going to do that." Sorry. So now, now you now you have me wanting to watch Crimson Tide. I'm going to go watch that like tomorrow. That was an amazing. That was such it's, an underrated movie. Oh, it's so I mean, good. It's such one of my very a, favorite movies. Oh, I no love it so. Read. I'm glad you guys have seen it. Float the buoy. That was, I thought that was one of best movies. I really did. 
Bosun really Float the Buoy. I love I love that movie. I'm I'm a huge Gene Hackman fan, so that really helps. He's amazing in that movie. He's a force of nature in that movie. But uh, I just and- wanted. I kept waiting on it to be revealed that he was actually Lex Luthor, <laughs> and that was his plot. <laughs> so right? was just like I'm going to hold the world ransom for one million dollars. Takes the takes the hair off. He's bald. Yeah. Yeah. He like whips. He, take, he off. takes. He takes. No. Like, it's me. No. He takes the Alabama cap off, and the hair comes with it, and then, <laughs> he's bald. Under, so it's all it's all one piece, and it just he's bald underneath. <laughs> that's, that's why we have a crossover movie. And then the <laughs> I didn't Superman think that. And, and then I you have that super. Was wasn't there a shot in one of the Superman movies where he's holding a submarine? Isn't in one of the in one of them? I think there yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so back to the game. I had a question because I'm, I'm sorry, on, but we just made that movie so better. I, okay, I agree. But Crimson Tide is already goddamn amazing. Um, anyway, uh, one thing I'm on the Reddit, uh, the uh, 4X subreddit, and more often than not, I see people asking for um, games with good diplomacy or good espionage. And and your game already has kind of a built-in diplomacy thing with talking to other people, but does that extend to talking to other empires as well? And I also yes. okay, but I also want to know. God, sorry. Like any other character. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, except they'll have additional options. When you have a house, you'll notice one of the options is house options. So when you talk to a house leader, you'll have different options available only to the house leader. Just like when you talk to a civilization leader, you'll have options available only available to that leader. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, the other thing I want to know about was uh, espionage. You mentioned those like inquisitor teams. Are are those your? Is that your own? The only part of a spy network, or will you actually have like an, a dedicated spy network uh, working well, underneath you? The original Imperia. Well, it's funny because the original Imperia, you could build a spy network. Uh, an informer network on different planets um, and kind of level one, level two, level three, and that it was kind of exponentially more expensive. Um, and, and so we're going to do that, but that's kind of your passive to kind of hear rumors and things, but your inquisitors are kind of your actionable pieces there. Uh, okay. You have a finite, like you might only have three, you know, to start with and you can build them. You can put a lot of money towards your um, espionage budget, and build more and train more Inquisitor squads because they have different, uh, you know, you train them, they have different levels. Um, they're, they're assets, you know, you don't want to just send them in blindly because you can lose them. But, um, you know, I don't know if you heard we were talking about, you'll be able to use them either passively for intelligence gathering uh, on a planet level, system level, or province level, or you can attach them if you feel like a character is plotting against you or, um, you know, has is, is got some bad intentions you can assign them to investigate a specific character and you can do that either publicly or, um, or um, private, not privately. Uh, right. Equally, I guess, sneak, sneaky. Sneakily, um, right. To where they don't know they're being investigated, but you can also send them to where they do know they are being investigated. That might be enough to get them off the scent. Mm. They're plotting to kill you or, or something like that. So, um, so yeah, those but you know, you have a finite amount. If you, if you put a, Inquisitor squad, especially a low-level one, to cover an entire province, it's not going to be very effective. But if you put a mm. crack Inquisitor squad, you know that's got good um, uh, information gathering skill in a planet, they're going to hear most everything. And that is, so you just have to determine their their, I guess their mode 
um, because you can't change it on a whim. There's a cool down period. We haven't decided oh. if we like three months or three turns or something like that, but you can't switch them every month. And you touched upon something I really like about this game is that you can do different things at different levels, which is quite unusual for a, for a game like this. Like you have the whole constellation and then you have the system of the province and then you have – so is it four levels? Is it the constellation and – Province. The, the province. The con- the province can only be as large as a constellation. Okay, there so there can only be one province. So province okay. level, system level, level planet, planet level. level, right? And then, of course, you have your empire. You, you know your empire right. level walls and things like that. Right, but I like how you can do different things. You can do different projects and whatnot at different levels, which I, I really like. Like you touched upon that a moment ago, where you can apply an Inquisitor squad to a province instead of just a planet. So they're not going to be as effective because they have a lot more ground to cover, but it's better than nothing, I guess. You know? Yeah, you put them out into a you know a new province that's not very big um, that you've given say to a rival house that you don't entirely trust. That would be a great example of using a province level. Um, once you start gathering some intel, you hear some again bad rumors, then you can reassign them to maybe the the province capital to get more intel on on you know, maybe the province governor is plotting something. Something. So you'll you'll react in real time um, based on what you're hearing, or you might decide no, nothing going on and reassign them out of the province entirely. I mean, asset, and you have to decide what to do, um, or you have to build more, but they'll take a while to build. Mm, very Game of Thronesy. Uh, we have well, and, and and very Doomsy too, right? Um, and there you can mod. By the way, I don't know. I think I. You can oh. mod the game right now. You can create houses. You can create new ideas. Um, there are not graphic mods yet because Unity is fairly difficult to mod externally. But yeah, we've heard uh, that you can mod yeah. all the text files. Oh, nice! Uh, the characters' uh, interactions, their names, the name pools. So you can uh, add a house of trades and whatnot if yeah, you wanted absolutely. to. Oh, that, absolutely! Oh, You know, people are gonna. You know people are going to. Uh, we actually have a question from the chat. Why not sectors instead of constellations? We used to have sectors in the original Imperia. Uh, I liked sectors. I thought it sounded more futuristic. But with the lore, you know, we're trying to – it's kind of a retro future feel. Um, you know, people have kind of uh, – I don't know if you – I'm sure you've heard a game called um, – uh, fading of the fading of the emperor emperor of the fading sun. Sorry. Oh fuck uh, yeah, we love that game around I here. So. I figured so. Yeah. Oh. Game very obs- pretty obscure, but if you could play it, it's a lot of fun. Well, they have a very rich lore, and and they have um, you know they have sectors and, and, and things like that. But you know we talked about what would humanity do if, if they had if they were transported to a different part of the Milky Way galaxy, and they had to start the constellations were all different. Because obviously, you know, there'd be different, you know, you can't use most of what you brought with you. Your culture is going to change. Your your astronomical culture is going to change. What would you do? So we felt that, um, especially with a empire, with the religious aspect and, and with the different cultures, that constellations would kind of come back into vogue as being kind of symbolic of power. And they would have their own histories and things like that. So it brings a little bit more lore to the game. Um, you know, from a strategic perspective, constellations are, are, are kind of like islands um, that you want to get to. So it made more sense to create these constellations around the map um, 
and then within them, you know, you can have the province and you can actually have competing provinces. One, one, uh, um, culture, I'm sorry, culture, civilization can have their own province within a constellation and you can have yours as well. So you can have competing, but we just felt like it was a neat scale to kind of wage, um, diplomacy in, um, and kind of break the map up a little bit because, you know, you have logistical, um, uh, areas that you, you can only move so far. So if you have a star that's not within a logistical station area, you can't explore, you can't colonize, et cetera, et cetera. So you'll have all these, you know, so it kind of is a buffer to prevent just instant colonization and instant exploration as well. So there's, there's a few reasons for that. Now, one thing I don't recall seeing in the build I played, maybe I missed it, was a trade. I did not really see any kind of inter... Uh, empire trade inter. Uh, so is there is there going to be trade in the game? There or? is trade. There is. Oh, there trade. is. I must have missed it. Build, yeah, the current build it takes one turn to kind of rev up. Um, that'll obviously be changed, kind of final, you know. But it takes a turn to kind of build the trade and, and get the uh, trade going. But yes, trade is definitely in. Um, there's a it's a pretty robust system, and, and it's kind of similar to the original Imperia, where you would have province hubs. Um, system hubs and then the imperial hub to bring in goods um, but the difference in this is you now have viceroys that uh, trade automatically based on their personalities based on what they believe they need um, and based on what prices they can extract and it's a pretty complex model i'll give you an example so let's say we have a tyrannical viceroy that has very low empathy and they have a planet where they don't have a lot of food um, but they're running out of energy and they're running out of basic materials. Well, he wants to build more military and he wants to build more energy, uh, not so much food because he doesn't care much about his people. But he's going to assign a much higher priority to energy and basic materials than he is to food. So he's looking for trades in the area. He doesn't want to pay much money because you know he's kind of a cheapskate. Um, but he's going to instruct his merchant cadre of and you know pops or merchants. Um, to find the best prices on those particular things. So whereas a benevolent viceroy uh, might opt only to get food and they're willing to pay a higher price because food is important to them and important to keep their pops happy and, and not starving. So, you know, they, they may have better luck getting food because it's cheaper and it's a lot easier to find. So mm. viceroys have a trade AI that they use that's based on their personality. Um, and if you see that a viceroy is not making good decisions for their planet, you know, they, they're, they're prioritizing things that um, aren't helping, you know, the situation on the planet, uh, like food and, you know, blackouts, energy, things like that. You can remove them uh, or you can force them to import certain things, too. Uh, but, yeah, no, trade is definitely in the game. I mean, it's not complete, but the model is definitely working. I apologize. Uh, I, in, sorry. Bring in, um, like, let's say you want to bring in basic, you know, materials. You're running low, so you could build a mining station on on a, on a in a system, build a mining station. Then you need to have a secondary hub reach that system so that they can send their materials to the hub. The hub will then send to the province hub. Um, all the different um, secondary hubs will send to the province hub, which then sends to the empire, and that's how the empire gets their their stocks. Now, here's another twist. Province hubs and secondary hubs, if they're owned by houses that don't like you, they will not send their goods to you. 
unless you make them. And that's another action that you can take. You can quest goods um, from the house uh, in mm. tyrannical action. You're basically squeezing them for their, for their goods. Um, and of course, houses that are friendly with you will give you their goods freely. It's a percentage, um, you know, depending on your relationship with that house. So, you know, there again, that balance of, okay, I need to build more. I need more resources. I really want to put, you know, this fantastic mining um, character <coughs> with House Iloa. Oh, but they hate me. And if I put them there, they may not even send me, you know, the goods. I may have to, to twist their arm to do it. So those considerations factor in. Plus, uh, um, houses that are very good at things like manufacturing, mining, tend to be very poor at things like trading. Um, so they're going to be very poor and they're going to basically trade for very low values. Um, their fleets aren't going to be very efficient. And what, what that essentially means is you're going to have more waste and you're going to have you lose more resources um, from a hub that's run by a viceroy with low trade skill than you would from a, a viceroy with high trade skill. Dear Lord. That's all already there. All that is already in the game. Ooh, that's a lot of moving parts. So – while you were talking, I thought of two way. I thought of two ways you can expand upon all of this. When you brought up Emperor of the Fading Suns, which is, folks, if you haven't played that, track a copy down. There are down. There are downloadable copies you can get to run because they're modded, and it's an amazing game. It's a buggy game. It's the UI is a nightmare, but once you get around that, there's really no other game like it. Really, um, Nova mod. <coughs> Yeah, yeah, or Hyperion, but no, either of those two. Um, but you need to make a pen and paper role playing system based on this universe, just like the Fading Suns pen and paper role playing game. <laughs> I would play that. I you already have a lot of the legwork done with the lore. You just need to translate some of this into a pen and paper system, <laughs> like a dice system. I'd I'd buy those books, man. I would buy the. Well, that's that's a compliment. That means I, we've. Uh, uh, done a good job with the background. That's, that's, that's yeah, awesome. I would definitely, I would definitely buy printed versions of those source books. No question. Secondly, you need to make a second game or a side game where you're a mercenary in this universe, taking missions for various empires or one empire. That would be so fun. Oh my god, that'd be so fun. <laughs> Like private freelancer, privateer. Yeah. Or, oh, I think Drox operative. But yes, along. Oh, Drox operative. That and that's another un, uh, yes uh, underrated game. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so something that like that. Yeah. So maybe not for a sequel, but maybe a, like a side project. You know, that'd be great. I I know. Sorry, uh, we're really hoping this takes off. I mean, you know, like I said, this is a part-time thing for me right now, but I would love nothing more than, you know, th- th- this game is very much unknown. You know, we kept it kind of on the down low, except for really hardcore people that, that enjoy our ho- hobby. But, you know, we hope that it takes off. You know, I don't think we're going to sell a million copies. We're not going to pull a rim world, but I-, I do think that there is a significant market, especially for people that like uh, Paradox games. I don't... Think that once we get you know things polished and, and more stuff added and we get closer to our vision i think there's going to be a breaking point where people are like wow this 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 is something different this is something neat and um you know when that happens you know the game becomes a commercial success then yeah i, I would like to make a uh a, a franchise out of it and, and i think oliver feels the same way so you know love to be a long-term goal 
Um, we'll just kind of have to see how development goes over the next year or so and, and see what people think. Uh, well, uh, God, I was – I had a question that I totally forgot. It. So I'll take a question from the All chat. Right. I'll take a question from the chat room. Do moons play any part in the game mechanics? Um, they play a minor part. Uh, mainly they have traits. I don't know if you've noticed uh, planets have different traits on them. Some of mm-hmm. them do. Um, some traits are only there if there's a moon. Um, so, I mean, they're not – it's not a huge effect on gameplay, uh, but it does give it some title-type traits that can uh, make planets better. Um, usually more uh, metal can be found, you know, affects title lock, things like that. A minor effect, but not a not a huge one. We also have a question of who's making the portraits because they look really good, they say. Well, uh, there's a story to that. So we we started out with the original artist, uh, the artist that actually worked with me on Imperia. And uh, he, um, you know, he'd always pushed me from the beginning to kind of, hey, this is, you know, you should make this commercial, make it commercial, you know, sell it. And I was like, no, nah. I really wasn't committed to, to putting that in. But uh you know, he existed and then kind of had a little bit of a falling out. And then uh, when, when a change lines with the sacred sun and bottom line is he, he, he didn't like the direction of the new game. Um, so <laughs> two days before we were supposed to go live, uh, he actually contacted me. I hadn't heard from him in a while. And he said, Hey, uh, I need the, uh, you know, I want to get those um, portraits back. And now mind you, we have a, we have a legal signed agreement to use them. He's getting a share, and, and I mean, you have every right to use them, but uh, that's why I delayed the game an extra week or two. But, you know, basically, he, he wasn't convinced that it, the, the game fell. Um, it's actually sold very well. It sold fantastically better than I thought it would. Uh, very grateful for. Uh, I don't know, maybe he'll reconsider if he, you know, sees our sales numbers, but uh, may not be able to keep those portraits. We may have to go to more of a... Um, a uh, procedural type of uh, process where they're generated kind of on the fly, which is probably better anyway, um, because it needs to really to really be unique. We need a thousand portraits, uh, tremendous Ooh. amount of work from the artist. So uh, right now, there's about eighty portraits in the game to give you. Procedural would be easier. It would it would make it you know to easier to differentiate, but it would not look as good. So um, that's kind of where we're at with that. So there is a there is a significant chance that the portraits may look different in later versions. Yeah, yeah. thank you. He he would appreciate the the compliment. I did notice. I did notice the two of the characters looked exactly the same. Yeah, I think it's on the at least on the video as I'm saying this now. Uh, there might be a delay, but yeah, like a couple characters were like, oh, they're where they have they're this they're twins. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't we just don't have enough characters. You know, in any given right. game, you'll have two or three hundred characters. Um, on large games, smaller games, you'll have fewer. But um, you know, we want—we probably want to go to a procedural model. Uh, the problem with doing it right out of the gate is doing something like face gen technology um, costs tens of thousands of dollars, and just for, holy god, you know, fairly basic setup, and we're just not in a position to do that with with you know everything else we want to do. Right. Um, but we can kind of roll our own. I mean, I can program. It's not terribly complicated to program a facial system it's just a matter of having the assets in order to create right. all the different assets and you're talking eyes lips nose you know facial structure hair 
clothes, uh, ears, all of that. You have to have many different types, and they have to be able to fit together in different configurations. So it's a lot more on the artist than it is the programmer. No, that makes sense. Um, so it, I'm, I'm really glad to hear it's selling well. That's that's really wonderfully encouraging. Um, are you planning on leaving early access? It sounds like maybe later this year, I'm guessing? Probably. We're, we plan to put it on Steam at a point nine. That's going to be pretty much everything except the Zill and probably things like videos and, and you know, the... Right. the um, and we don't want to do it any earlier. Like I said at the beginning, I've seen good games torn to shred by putting them too early on our God, access. I, I know, right? Uh, and now then, that uh, now that Steam has pretty much you know released the, any kind of gateway, you know the, the green objects is green light is down. Now it's just a matter of paying the anything on there at this point. Um, I want to make sure that the quality is where it needs to be. Yeah, and I also want to make sure that before we put it on Steam, that we um, you know we have a positive reputation. You know, we have a strong community built up, um, you know, cause people get on there and they've never heard of the game. They play it for, oh, this is stupid. You can't, you can't colonize a planet. My people, they won't do what I tell them to. This game must be bugged. And the only way to fight that is to have a strong community to go, look, no, you got to read the manual. No, this is how the game's supposed to play. Um, so that is going to be kind of a big frontier. Um, uh, at that so we want to be sure we're ready so we're looking probably to have 1.0 out assuming no major interruptions uh, and i'm working on this part-time i do a full-time job and i have a family <laughs> uh, with a year and a half wife and a year and a half old so um but the plan is to have 1.0 out by early next year all things you know continue to go and continue to receive the money to fund that oh okay that seems reasonable you take your time um so even though it's a year off, do you have any um, like post-release kind of expansion plans in your mind? Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, you can a simple expansion is just more cultures, um, more houses uh, because there are actually ten great houses in the game. Picks five at random, so you can add. You know, you can have any number of houses in the game, cultures in the game. You can constellations, more planet types. Uh, more region types. I don't know. We talked about planets are built by regions and they're procedurally um, at a regional level. Uh, they have different characters, character packs. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways to expand uh, with the Zill, the end game. Uh, you could add different plots to that. We talked about kind of a side side plot where you have renegade Zill that are trying to um, go against their, their master uh, to prevent the, the basically the recension uh, of their leader. And so you would kind of work with them. So, I mean, we kind of have some stuff kind of plotted out. So, and, and the question is, what of, what, what of that would be free as just sort of a content download? And what was something that a true expansion? Again, I'm very, I'm very big on the idea of you, you, you should, if you pay for something, it should be content worthy. Uh, I'm not super thrilled with Paradox of Late. I think some of their DLC, I know I'm off on a political rant here, but I think some of their DLC is, shall we say, less than value added. And uh, I don't I don't think that's a good model. So anything like that, it would be very inexpensive, maybe a dollar or two. Um, you know, it, it would just it would just be for, you know, adding those packs. Full featured expansions with, with systems, um, new gameplay, you know, things like that. That could happen. We'll have to see how uh, original one goes, you know, how it sells, 
um, again, my dream is to, if it sells phenomenally well, to, to create the studio full time, you know, hire another programmer or two and have a presence as a studio, um, a physical, you know, physical office, you know, physical studio and kind of go from there. So, um, so we'll see, but, uh, we would like to do that. I, I really, I really think you might do well because you're tapping into something that no one, that, very few people, like maybe one or two other people are trying to do, have a character-driven space grand strategy game. And and that's very rare. It's probably because it sounds like it's pretty hard to do. A lot of a lot more moving a lot of more moving parts than uh, more traditional uh, 4X. Um so yeah, you're not gonna have much competition. And I think people are clamoring for something like this. I think people are dying. For something like this, not just because it's so great. I mean, it is, but something different. You know, it's not the traditional. Let's try and make Master of Orion two again uh, formula. You know, so yeah. I think I think that alone will help you guys out. I really do. Um, well, well, we we hope so. I mean, we the fear is that it's too different. Have again, like I said, you have the person that downloads it immediately wants to try to build a mine or something, play it like a typical 4X, and it's just not going to fly that way. So, how's that person going to react? That that's kind of the, the the tipping point between will this be a commercial success or versus a niche success? If, if someone can, and a lot of that's obviously going to depend on things like rails and tool tips and stuff like that. But if if someone goes into it thinking they're playing a 4X. And they find they're playing this, and they find their ways of doing things are completely different. Is that person going to get frustrated and give it a bad review and tell their friends, or are they going to stick with it and and find that oh this is a complete oh this is really cool? What you mean I can bribe someone to to be an administrator to give me actually better results than I would have had? I mean, if they're willing to stick with it and and, and learn the nuances of character management creating a good projects, things like that. I think people will really enjoy it. We've had such positive feedback um, by people that have taken the time to learn it, but that's the point. Are people going to take the time or are they going to put it away after five minutes thinking that it is a Mutu clone, never play it again and trash it? Well, maybe you put that in the very beginning of whatever tutorial type of tutorial you have in there. Like, first off, just FYI, this is different than any other type of 4X you'll play, and here's why. Let's just go down the laundry list. Now that you know this, let's let's jump into teaching you how to play this thing. <laughs> that, that would be that would be my thought anyway. Like hit them right from the get go. Like this is not a Master of Orion style 4X. Like just about every other style of 4X you played. It's very different. And you got to know that going in. You got to know that going in. Yeah. So uh, and that's, and that's the yeah. challenge. Yeah. But it's, I think it's also an asset. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about it, folks. Again, the game we're gonna wrap up now. I think because uh, I'm losing my mind. Um, <laughs> uh, and I wanted to apologize real quick. I, I was um, quiet for a long time because someone in Twitch chat was claiming that they were blocked, and I was really trying to figure out what was going on there because. If if someone's been blocked unnecessarily, I feel bad, you know. So I was like really trying to dig and find out what happened, and there was nothing. So I was like, okay, that was anticlimactic. Maybe, um, maybe it was Raiders' clock. I 
I don't know what it was. Someone's like, please unblock me. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it took me like forever to find the banned person list, you know, because uh, it's like really in, dug deep in the options. So I apologize for that, folks. Um, but uh, banned. How were they chatting? That's what I'm saying. They weren't. The thing is, their chat. I don't know if their chat was showing up in the in the chat. Maybe it was, but yeah, th- that's the thing. They weren't banned. Like they weren't on the banned list, so I have no idea what they were talking about. Um, but I'm like, all right, I'm, I better make sure this person isn't blocked because I feel bad. Like, what if they are blocked unnecessarily? And, but if they are blocked, I want to tell them there's a reason I blocked you. <laughs> so no. Um, that was that was very strange. So I apologize for being a little out of it for a little while. But uh, folks, the game is called Alliance of the Sacred Sons, and that is at allianceofthesacredsons.com. Uh, just one long word, and uh, it is seven ninety nine to buy into the alpha right now. Uh, the alpha is very playable. There's already plenty to do. There's no tutorial or anything yet. Uh, but There's it's a manual. There, on manual. there is a manual on the website. It's they're calling it. What are you calling it? A living manual. Living manual. Yeah. A li- it will change, and we're going to add pretty pictures. But um, yeah, we're adding a chapter or two at a time. Uh, probably about two chapters a week. So um, yeah, it's a good manual to have the manual first draft done in the next two weeks. Okay, yeah, it's a good manual. I I definitely read it before I tried playing this. Um, so there is a bit of a learning curve. But I'll I'll tell you some of the best 4x games like Distant Worlds have learning curves. Stellaris learning curve. So um, it it plays differently than just about any other 4x you'll you'll ever play. But because it's trying to do something different and unique and special, it's worth playing. And it's a steal at this price for the game you're going to get. I can already tell right now this is going to be fantastic. So $8, just buy it. Just stop listening to me. Pause this, however you're listening or watching, and just go buy it, like right now. Yeah, I was kind of shocked, actually, at the low price of this. Because yeah. it's like, Viceroy is like 20 bucks right out of the gate, right? Yeah, and Viceroy is quite good. Yes, Viceroy is quite good. But this is, this is even more different than that. And, and uh, yeah, this is less than half of that. So... It's an amazing value right off the gate, and you're getting in on the ground floor if you like early access. If you don't like early access, yeah, you can wait probably. Well, I mean, you know, I, I just want to say, yeah. Right, so the philosophy present here is is the correct one. It's early access for feedback. Yeah, exactly. To early access for funding, which we uh, 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 what whatever that myth. Thing was right that just so oh dead hold oh no because it was like we're getting a new myth and then they're like well we can't afford to keep going because pre-orders it's like wait wait no don't don't i'm still so angry about that i'm still so i bought that game day one i bought it day one i I damn near did and i was just like oh sweet no i love myth so i bought it day one played a little bit i'm like oh this has a lot of promise i'll shelve this until they are done with it (laughs) and i don't want that to happen that's that's why we've been very cautious and and you know we're trying to uh over promise under promise over deliver um get it out there at a low price point uh because look you know if it's not your cup of tea it's eight bucks you know, I, right. I don't want anyone to feel that they've been conned or cheated. Um, very explicit about, like like you said, Brian, about what it is. 
um, and to know that, look, this is a journey. And if you buy right. at this price, you don't have to help. Right. But we've had a lot of people already excited. I mean, even on the uh, podcast, I just got a great idea that I've got a, I've got a new mechanic. You know, mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, kicking around the, uh, the gameplay. So that's what I'm talking about. You know, I'm not so proud that I'm not willing to say, hey, that's a good idea. That's better than what I had. Let's explore that. Um, right. I think it can make a better game, you know, in the long run. And I don't have, I don't have the developer's pride to um, block that. So um, I really appreciate the kind words. And, and, you know, key above all is value for money, understanding the journey and understanding the game, what it is and what it is not. How could you not buy the game after that, folks? After that sincerity, really, just just go buy it. Even if you're not into early access, just buy it to support it. Maybe try it out and give some feedback. You know, but this is a game worth owning. Um, buy it for a friend. Yes, buy it for a friend. But some people don't like buying early access at all, and they've been burned too many times. I get that. But but for get God's that. sake, don't buy it for that Cooper fellow because he <laughs> ride this like. <laughs> no, he, he should. He's. A, He's our paradox obsessed guy. Oh, right? God. And it's like we gave him his own paradox channel. Fanboy doesn't go about paradox. Yeah, he doesn't have it anymore. We took it away. <laughs> yeah, fanboy doesn't go far enough to describe the level of love and passion this gentleman has. He, he has like although, a, he, although has he like requested a, a Stellaris channel, so we gave him that. Yeah, yeah he, he has like a Crusader King's waifu pillow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, well, if Paradox, you know, I, I've bought Paradox games since the first Europa Universalis, and and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and, and again, not to get political, but yeah, I remember, nobody knows how to play that. Oh, so. no, but 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 it was just so damn interesting to try to figure mm-hmm. out. Yeah, for me, that's true. The game was making something something happen. Has like anybody ever actually figured it out, though? I I still I can't figure out. I know the f- none of my friends. I, I I still can't figure out the fourth one. And apparently that's the most approachable. And I'm still like, what? What's going on? I don't understand this. Uh, (laughs) So the barrier to me, I I think it's the UI, right? Same deal with Crusader Kings. It's crazy. Crazy UI. There's so much crap going on in the UI. And it's just like, man, I need need like the coloring book version of it. Sure, you can pause, but that doesn't help when there's a million things you can click. Oh yeah, dude! I I play that game like like turn based. I know, yeah, it's like yeah, I, I exactly. play Crusader Kings. Like I play XCOM, right? Uh, pause <laughs> like, one month. Pause. pause. I, yeah, oh, I do. I do. I, I will pause for about a month while I try to figure out like real time. You know, it's like what what do I want to pick here and why and and that's actually what fuels my uh, my advisor thing about like why did that happen? Because there's no way to ask that game. It, it's it's just like, hey man, this province turned. Uh, yeah. Why? You know, like if I could go back to history and yeah. like look at a, an opinion graph or something, and you know that pro- I think that probably is in there. It's just so hard it, to it, find. It <laughs> like some somebody will write to me tomorrow and be like, dude, and, it's and, right there. And it's Cooper, five layers. It's five layers down in the onion. You you just missed it. Cooper, don't you dare try to tell us how to play it after listening to this. We we we're just not interested. Don't don't even try, okay? Just just don't. But anyway, folks, this game that we're talking about tonight, it's called Alliance of the Sacred Sons. I know I mentioned it before, but just in case. Um, so, uh, and it's great, FYI. So just a few programming notes before we wrap up. 
Uh, Thursday, we are returning to Borderlands 2. Very excited about that. It's always a good time. Uh, next week on the show, uh, we're going to be talking to the folks behind, uh, they're calling it Dwarf Fortress in Space. Uh, it's a space station simulator called Starmancer. Oh, that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, and uh, we, they they just launched a Kickstarter, so check that out. Um, it's called what? Starmancer. I, you know, oh, I, Starmancer. Yeah, I, I you have a link to it. Um, so uh, that's that's next week on the show, and don't forget, in a couple of weeks, we are going to be having our second uh, Eve Online meetup, uh, last Sunday of the month at nine a.m. Pacific. They're actually going to let us do it again. <laughs> well, oh, they don't have any. It's it's we've been hey, having a, we've last been time. A- last time you showed up for the last five minutes, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I need. I, I was there. I didn't die. No, mission accomplished. Yeah, not dying. I've died. I've died three times in two days. Not dying in Eve is an accomplishment. Well done. Uh- <laughs> yeah, especially man, it's like undocked die. Oh, great. That's oh, cool. I don't know if you saw the part of the stream where I was about to dock at a station in uh, that wormhole system, and just as I clicked dock, oh, I'm dead. How'd that happen? <laughs> so- oh, yeah. He was dead and potted before he could, like... <laughs> he was like I was like, hey, I was like, Brian, you probably should dock up here. And he was like, all right, I clicked dock, and now I've been pop, and now I've been potted, and now I'm back in high sack. Wait, what? Hold on a second. What? It was that quick. It was crazy. Like, wait, what's this insurance thing the game is? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no. I'm, I'm currently fitting a mall, yeah. which is uh, a That sounds fun. That and sounds. Fun. I'm assured that this is invincible. Oh, I should try one of those if I can. I'll take a look and see if I can skip if cool. I can skill. Them. Yeah, I, I looked. I looked in my skills. Like I can. Uh, apparently, I'm mastery level two on. This nice. Game, so nice. Let's do it. And yeah, I can die in this as well. You know, folks, if you haven't played EVE Online uh, recently or at all, they recently made some changes that uh, not only makes it the barrier to entry much easier, but finding things to do much easier, which was always my problem with it. So I've been enjoying it much more of late. Um, finally, we want to thank uh, – we're trying to do this every week. We want to thank our Patreon subscribers. Because without you, this would be much harder to do. Uh, Patreon helps pay for all the fees around here, uh, and there are many. And uh, they get a special Patreon-only channel on the Discord, and we're going to be adding some new tiers soon. Plus, folks, the mobile app added a thing called Lens, which are like little tiny minute videos you can make for behind-the-scenes things. So I'm going to start doing that. I've already made one. About how the how this podcast gets made. Uh, the weird thing is, you can only see those on the app, though, not on the website. I don't get that. Maybe they'll change it. I hope they do. But um, there are uh, reasons to subscribe to Patreon, and we appreciate every dollar we get. So thank you very much for that. And with that, uh, I guess we will see you next week. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on again. We will definitely have to have you on a fourth time once this hits 1.0 in about a year. Uh, right. Well, thank you for having me on again. And, and oh, it's again, a pleasure. All the Ab- feedback and kind words and keeps me going. Uh, it's absolute pleasure, folks. Thanks for listening and watching, and we will see you next week. Good night.